everyone, it's Adam from Route Foot 24 with episode four. I was going to say episode three there, but it is episode four of the biz. Uh, my weekly look inside the football industry. Really enjoyed this uh, series so far. It's been great getting insight from all the different nooks and crannies of the game. And today, jumping on the plane, going down to the Emirates. Now, some of you regular listeners, you may remember 12 months ago, I spoke with Sam White, who's a football coach who left the UK to move to Dubai and has been coaching at Sam. I'm going to hand over to you. Yeah, so Dubai City Football Club. Uh, so we're a club based out in, in Dubai in the UAE and some very hot conditions. But yeah. Now, very happy that Sam's agreed to dive indoors out of the sun. As he said, it's very hot in there. I, don't, I think he's enjoying the AC at the moment. <laughs> Well, yeah, we're gonna any amount a, of AC is good. We're going to have a catch-up, aren't we, today about... I mean, you've had a fantastic 12 months down there. I've been following, following the story, and it's been incredible to see. It's been great. I'm really happy you've agreed to join us and share the story with the world. Well, I mean, how, how are you doing anyway today, mate? Yeah, great. Well, thanks for having me on again. Um, I had a really good time having a, having a chat and a catch-up uh, 12 months ago, and we were about to dive into a world that we didn't really know what was going to be put in front of us with all of the regulations and the, the, the pandemic and what that was throwing at us. But as you say, we've had an amazing year of mostly ups, but ups and downs. And um, and yeah, it's been a really successful season. So Really has. I mean, just, just for people who, who, did, did, who weren't following us back then, you know, what took you down there, first of all? Let's, you know, what, what sort of excited you and... What was it like? What was the, you know, what did you find when you moved there? Because, of course, the, uh, the club, it was a new club, if I'm, if I'm right, and you were just about to embark on your first sort of season of senior football. Yeah, so the, the actual project itself is a lot bigger than just the first team. The club's about four or five years old, going into its fifth season as of next year. Um, and the, the project itself was more about developing a, a sustainable club, which can not, not compete with, with academies back in Europe, but, but just strive to be as good as them and strive to offer the same kind of level of programming that myself and a number of the other members of staff have been accustomed to from our experiences in the UK and, and traveling through Europe, working and um, playing and sort of sharing ideas. So the project itself was a no-brainer. You twin that with the lifestyle we have out here, all, albeit 52 degrees right now for six or seven months of the year, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful place to live with, with absolutely anything you can imagine out here. So the, the, the balance between working the football lifestyle um, and, and living a good lifestyle is a lot more achievable here, I feel, and, and I've found in my experience than it is, than it is elsewhere. Um, but the project then, you know, unexpected to me because this wasn't discussed originally, was that as I arrived, we'd just been approved um, with our first team senior squad and that we mm-hmm. got put in the in the professional pyramid out here in the UAE and they just added a, a third tier, the second division. Um, subsequently now they've added a fourth tier, which will be the third division next year. Um, wow. And year one was just a, a bit of madness, really. It was sort of jumping into the complete unknown, um, having to understand the, the inner dealings of a football club from a, from a full overview, you know, whether it was the transfer of, of players, free, free agent players coming in, internationals versus locals versus how many of each each sort of category were allowed in a playing day squad to understanding everything. You know, we, we don't have every single job role that 
that most clubs around uh, around Europe and the world have got. We've got about seven or eight of us pulling 20 different jobs, um, <laughs> which is exciting. And you get an overall, like a really good overall understanding um, of the inner workings of a football club, even just off of the grass. Everything behind the scenes has been amazing to understand. But yeah, this this season, which was year two in the league, um, we, we, we just couldn't have couldn't have had more success. It, it was a brilliant, brilliant year. All right. I mean, congratulations to you. And just what's the situation like then in the the, the third tier? Because I, if, if, if I remember correctly, you know, one of the aims of the club was to be open to the expatriate community. Mm-hmm. If 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 I if I recall, um, yeah. Is how as that sort of playing senior football and playing sort of in the lower lower tiers. I know in other you know in other countries, especially in the lower tiers, there is a big focus on local players. Has has it brought that expatriate desire sort of into conflict at all, or how have you managed um, to work it? Right, right now we're we're managing that we're managing that situation um, very carefully, and we've got to consider a lot of different things because for the Division Two and what will be Division Three as well next season, you can have. Uh, pretty much an unlimited amount of expat players, of, of foreign or international players. So the league is is heavily based with with African players, um, mm-hmm. and then with some European and South American in there also, uh, depending on the on the team and their location. But we we obviously had a squad that was built majority of um, of English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh players who were either working out here in in their professional roles, whether that was teaching or marketing or IT or oil or whatever it could have been. Um, now, when you then go up to Division One, and if we then subsequently go up to the AGL, the, the Arabian Gulf League, there is now a cap on how many international players you're allowed. So we're going to unfortunately have to have the difficult task of, of pretty much decimating what a, what a squad has been for the last two years um, and then bringing players through that we feel are going to offer us something at the next level. But also, mm-hmm. we've got to be really wary of the, the guys that have got us here. And it's the same situation that any club will be in when they're getting promoted through leagues, is that you need to find a way of thanking or, or having some kind of consideration for the guys that have got you to this position, whilst also having them understand that this is the next level, this is the next tier, and it's not a case of saying you might not be able to cut it in the next level. It's now we're physically not allowed to have all of you at the next level. Um, so right now we're just looking in, uh, looking through the rules, the regulations, getting clarity from the FAs throughout this summer as to exactly how many of our players we're allowed to take with us, and uh, and essentially how many how many local players we're going to have to recruit in this off season. Oh, it's going to be oh, it sounds a very difficult job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, it really does, really does. I so. Obviously, you, you surprised me a little bit there when you said they're adding a new tier. Is the game really taking off down there at the moment? Has there been, you know, is there the demand for a sort of a four-tier pyramid of football in, yeah. in the Emirates? Yeah, for sure. I think the UAEFA and, and the governing bodies here, the AFC, they're, they're very much trying to push the development of football in this region, um, whether that's to be in line with the World Cup, whether that's just mm. to be in line with a massively growing sporting community out here. I'm not sure what the initial mission was based on. But yeah, I think the, the the goal is in the next sort of four or five years is to have a five-tiered league system. So they'll then add a division four as well. Wow. Um, and then the, I guess the, the middle ground we're at at the moment is understanding whether they're going to be 
increasing the amount of foreign and international players they're allowed throughout all the leagues or whether it's going to be Division 2, 3 and 4, so the third, fourth and fifth tier that are going to be allowed to have unlimited amount of, of foreign players um, and then they'll still keep the top two divisions for the local players. So we're sort. I, I think they're in a transition and we're also in a transition whereby we, we, we need to gain full clarity and understanding around how the, the level is going to build um, how we can help the local community and the local players get better, which essentially is playing international players, mm-hmm. um, and then where we stand in the middle of all that. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be some, shall we say, interesting roadblocks you've had to jump over navigating all of these. What's been yeah. your most? I guess would you would you? I think the phrase is, you know, what's been your biggest sort of cultural challenge over the last 12 months as you've navigated Cult- your way? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cultural challenges are, are what we have to deal with day in, day out, out here anyway. Um, I wouldn't call them, I wouldn't say they're challenges. They're more, it's more an education for us, you know, yeah. we're, we're in a different part of the world. Nice word. Nice, nice word. I like yeah. <laughs> there's very... Um, there's a lot of different things that people have to educate and understand themselves on. And we can't just come out here and, and think that we're going to change the world and do everything the way we want it to do. Uh, we want it to be. So we have to, we have to take in mind that, you know, we are the aliens out here. We're the ones that should be respecting all the different cultures, um, religious history, the history of the country itself. Um, and then also the education around the football when it comes down to the actual game, because it is a, it's almost like a different sport out here. Um, it's, the, the game, the understanding is, is very, very different to what it is back home. The, the reason that it's played is different. Um, you know, it's almost like for the younger age groups, it's more of a hobby out here as opposed to life and death that it is back home and you grow mm-hmm. up. Um, you grow up and it's everything. Uh, it's, it's not like that here. So it's, you're putting on different sessions, you're building different philosophies and ways and methods to actually teach and, um, you know, build teams, whether that's from the youth youth uh, side of the game, whether that's from the first team side of the game, um, is, is, is very, very different. I think so, some of the things we've had to go through are just uh, crazy, you know, from players having to cut their fingernails um, before games because they're deemed to be too long, or if it's that kickoff times are, kickoff times are um, delayed by six minutes specifically because of prayer calls or... Um, you know, going through the Ramadan period, obviously they, they deal with it in the European game, but here it's the majority. So we have to be really, really, um, you know, thought-provoking when we're coming up with our sessions, the timings, mm-hmm. uh, when we play, when we train, to fit in line with, with things like religious holidays, with, uh, you know, with celebrations that are culturally massively important out here. So there's been so many different, um, not barriers, but so many different things we've had to think about that have never really came into our thought processes before when we're planning, training, playing, reviewing. Uh, so I think it's definitely made us all, the players, I speak for the players and, and for the coaching and the, and the backroom staff, it's made us all a lot more aware of uh, different regions and how we can be better, I guess. That's good to hear. Yeah, I guess what you, tra- you, you must train at night time, <laughs> not only to avoid yeah. the heat, but... Also, so so the, so the guys have broken their fast during Ramadan and periods like that. Yeah. It's like that. It's uh, yeah. well, when when are the games played? You don't get any ridiculous lunchtime kickoffs or things like that, do you? No, no. Again, it's sort of down to the club. So depending on the home team, uh, you have you have the, the sort of draft fixture list that's put out at the, at the start of the year, and then again after the winter break, where 
we would essentially look through the dates and go, okay, we know that um, these six weeks or these four or five weeks are going to be difficult periods for any of our um, any of our Muslim players. So we'd have to then look at right, what what we're going to change about training then. Are the kickoff times are half going to be after sundown. Um, training's a little different. We can we can train a little earlier and then they could break fast during training, for example, that we did this year. Um, but things like that are, are, are relatively easy. It's just having the knowledge and the understanding and the I guess the, the the future planning to be able to look into it and go right. We need to change the schedule slightly for for these six weeks or for these four weeks. You know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a whole new world for a lot of people, I think, listening. Um, I mean, how, how did the league go? I've got to ask, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it, it was brilliant. I mean, we'd, I think we'd always said to yourself, and if you're in, in any environment in the world, you want to win every game you can, but we'd always said to ourselves at the start of the season, let's, let's uh, you know, classical phrase, but let, let's go a game at a time and just see what happens. Mm. And I think we started to pick, we started to, we started off really, really well, with a good 3-0 win. Um, the teams are so unexpected out here because the, the turnover in players are so big. So you can't really pre-plan unless you get to the second half of the season. Um, so we sort of looked at the first few games and we're saying we want to win this. Um, if we pick up this amount of points and these amount of games, um, then we can just focus a game at a time, basically. And it got halfway through the season and we started to look and think, right, all we actually need to do is beat this team get a, a good draw away here or, or nick a win here and then we're going to be looking at you know pretty much guaranteed promotion uh, and it all sort of just fell into place and the, the, it, we saw the team build as a whole throughout the season from start through to the middle it was, it was a quiet change room at the start it was very much a, we've just come out of a full lockdown and play, you know players hadn't seen families for however long and they'd either lost jobs or on cut salaries and the start of the season was still a really difficult time for players for for us as coaching staff, uh, for absolutely everyone involved. So it was more of a togetherness, more of a everyone come together, let's just see what football can do for us as it does so much for everyone else around the world um, in our own little way. And we managed to to build that sort of togetherness throughout the season and got halfway through. And then the team talks just, they sort of spoke themselves. The players started to look after everything from, you know, the real, the real fun aspect of the changing room to the serious aspect. And by the time we got down to the last three or four games, it was, it, all we needed was points at a time, and and then we were going to be we were going to be promoted. And obviously, we ended up winning the league and going through to the final game. And it was, you know, it was an amazing period. And everyone, I think, it still hasn't really sunk in. You, you sort of look back at it and go, twelve months ago, we were in a in a, a terrible situation around the world, and we managed to just have this crazy football season throughout the middle of a worldwide pandemic. And it's really helped everyone through. I think. Uh, so I mean, you, you spoke about players. Who were who are you? Who are the big sort of characters in the in the changing room? Then who were the ones that re, you know really really stood out? Any names that we can look out for? Who you think might be able to take the next step with you? Yeah, I mean, we had um, we we invested and bought over a close friend of mine from from AFC Bournemouth back home, Callum Stanton, who's our goalkeeper now, twenty three year old goalkeeper, really good experience back in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, was a pro was a pro at Bournemouth. For, three or four years under Eddie Howe and he's got amazing experience and that was a massive change for us this season is having a good goalkeeper out here is is a complete game changer because it's almost like a forgotten position um, a lot of teams will recruit physic, physical African players or very technically excellent South American players but, but always seem to neglect the goalkeeper position um, and Callum made some 
you know, match-winning saves at times. Um, one really important one against the team that came second in the league that we played in the final in the end, Golf Heroes. And they, um, he made an unbelievable save in the last minute, like David Seaman, FA Cup-esque off the line. And oh, wow. that, that meant that meant we took a one-all draw away from that game. And that sort of was the start of the, was the start of the end for us with regards to winning the league. Um, he, he's made a massive, massive difference. Uh, we had a breakthrough player again, had a really good season last year. A guy called Jamal Bartley, again, 25, 26-year-old English guy. Um, played, to, played to an OK standard back in the UK, but is out here working as a teacher. And he's just had a, an unbelievable season. He's our top goal scorer from central midfield and physically is up there with any of the, the, the African and the Arabic players and technically was, was excellent this year. And one of our standout players. I think the, the, the problem with players making it over here and, and maybe going back and watching for their names elsewhere is that people have built lives here. So, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Callum or Jamal or another player, Luke, uh, Luke Joyce, that we have one of our strikers, he, he's an exceptional player, was out for the first three months of the season um, because he was in the UK and had some difficulties with, um, with work and family and things like that. He, he then came in and changed our fortunes and scored some really important goals and was brilliant. But again, 26, 27-year-old player who's sort of built a life in Dubai. Um, whether it's through work or family or whatever it might be, these players sometimes are probably good enough but aren't actually looking to leave the Emirates. So um, it, it's sort of on us to provide them the best footballing experience they can have. Um, the most the most difficult thing for us this year was that the, the FA didn't change the law on the... Um, ages of players that we we're allowed to have in the first team. So mm-hmm. we had a lot of under 18 players that we were desperate to blood into the first team and have got real high aspirations to maybe either make it pro or at least at least go and get an education and use their footballing ability, whether that's in the UK or the States or, or mm-hmm. Canada or whatever it might be. It was difficult because we weren't able to play them. And they they had to be 2002 born and we've got a number of 2003, 2004 sort of under 18, under 17 players that that are exceptional that should have had an opportunity this year but we just again that that's one I would call a barrier um, yeah. unless you're local you're not allowed to play at that age which is, was really difficult for us to take but just the realism that we had to deal with so um, it's a shame because we did see a lot of our younger players having breakthrough years um, and at least getting some minutes so they had opportunities to train all the time with the first team but from a playing perspective it was difficult not to have them involved because we were really excited to get them in, in, in a first team environment Any hope that the the regulations there will be changed down the road, or is it just fingers crossed? Fingers crossed. Yeah, that's what that's what we're waiting for right now. That's what we're waiting for clarity on. Um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then it's just another barrier we deal with, and, and we try and get them try and get them the best experience outside of that. Uh, the good thing for us this year is that we're going to be looking to put some of our teams into the the youth pro leagues, which hasn't been a which hasn't been a reality for four years now. Year one of the club we did, and then. Um, we're now looking year five again, getting the guys back into the pro leagues, playing against all the other young local players um, and getting great experience against them. So if they can't play in the first team, that's a barrier we'll have to overcome, but we'll, we'll work it out. Ah, fair enough. Uh, got to ask you, I mean, that's something that I've, I've personally very important for me. You were, you were in, you went to Africa during, during mm. the season, if I'm right, to work on a, is it more of a community, community based project? Now, what was yeah. what was the drive behind that? So, again, as I was mentioning prior to 
prior to the meet, we we all have about five different jobs, and uh, whether that's with the first team or or working within the academy, my part of my role is I head up the international department for the club. So any any sort of brand awareness, brand guidance, any sort of um, charity work, partnerships, and uh, worldwide that that would that will go through me. And one of the things I've been really keen to develop is really good links in Africa. Um, we've got a great partner over in Uganda. I've been over there a few times now, and it's just one of the most beautiful countries in the world um, that, I, that I've traveled to. And there's so much work to be done across the region of Africa that we're, we're trying to build as much um, and as many different contacts and opportunities as possible to get out, um, whether it's delivering. I mean, for example, the last time we went to Uganda was um, we, we delivered like a player development camp for about 40 or 50 of the, the players that are out in Uganda. We had some really good meetings with some of the pro clubs and the, the federation as well. And just to see how we can help and, on number one, I guess, for a mission is to develop the, the opportunities for the players out there who, who otherwise would not get opportunities. Um, number two is just to, to educate coaches and educate players on ways to train methodology and the way we do it at our club, rightly or wrongly. We're just trying to get our footprint out there. Um, and then number three is to provide opportunities for for the you know, the, we'll, we'll go into the, the orphanages or we'll go into the slums and try and do everything we can to to help people and just give them some kind of dedicated approach and it doesn't even have to be football just bring bring some kits bring some old footballs bring some cones bring some equipment and some, some jerseys whatever it might be and just just hopefully change as many people's lives as possible um if we find a, a few gems on the way and we can provide opportunities in the in the professional game for them then unbelievable and, and essentially that's what gives us the good name but it's all the work behind the scenes that i think does does that for us and for the club and for the people we work with for sure I mean, that's, that for me is, you know, the underlying purpose of football. It's got this sort of magical power of, you know, yeah. reaching out to areas that no other sport, sport can, especially on the, you know, on the charitable side and supporting uh, yeah. communities. You know, the great thing, obviously, for Dubai City is it's got the international reach. Do you, I have to ask, are, are there any programmes sort of locally within the Emirates that the club are on in the, in the, in the sort of same aspect there? Yeah, so we, so obviously our, our big market out here is, from a grassroots perspective, is community work, working with schools, doing after-school clubs, doing camps for, for players and things like that. Now, what what we want to be able to build and what I'm, I'm starting to build at the moment, <clears throat> trying to get off of the off the ground, is having camps where the, the income that we make can be used to filter down into the players that won't be able to have those opportunities elsewhere. So if we can get some players out of Africa and over to Dubai to just experience that, you know, some, some, of, the, some of the people we're working with at the moment, which is one of my favourite things that, that we're doing with our partners in Africa, for example, is that we'll deliver a player development camp. The fees, as part of the fees from this player development camp, they go into the, um, you know, the homeless or the, the really, really poor low-income families or, or orphans to go and get things like birth certificates so they actually exist, to get them a passport, to potentially offer them um, opportunities to come to Dubai, which is a much easier flight than, than obviously going over to Europe and the UK. Um, and it just gives people opportunities that just otherwise are completely impossible to reach. Um, one, of the, one of the big things we do is just having a drive a couple of times a year where kids will bring their old boots, their kit, their old footballs, football goals, any kind of equipment you can imagine. And then we will just get this into as many bits of luggage as we can. And, and then the next trip we go on, we take that out. Um, 
And then something we're working on here locally is getting a trip of, of, of our young players or young players that work across any of the clubs in, in the UAE and producing volunteering trips to go and go and help. And it might be to go and coach, to go and play, to go and train, to build, to do anything as a volunteer um, in these countries working with our partners. So we're trying to sort of bridge the gap between the wealth and the, the distribution of wealth here in the UAE and then how we can hopefully help um, a lot of young people and, and, and sports footballers um, or any sport for that matter over in Africa. Uh, all credit to you. All credit to you. Now, I, Sam, i ask, now, what's the plan for the team next season? You, you planning on going straight for the leagues? or? Uh... I think the, the the sort of narrative is the longer you stay in Division 1, which is the second tier, the, the harder it gets, just like in the Championship. Um, all the all the big bucks and the big investment is in the AGL and the Arabian Golf League. Um, the, the Division 1 is still unfunded partially. So mm-hmm. an expat team like ourselves would have to work unbelievably hard to get any funding. So it still has to be a self-sustainable first team. Um, but yeah, I think for the directive from the, the sporting director and the owners is, is that we go up as soon as we can. But as you know, uh, money talks and, and playing staff talk and it's got to be it's got to be all the all in the right way. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to be able to to be able to push for promotion. I mean, just having this sort of informal discussions with coaches, players and, and members of staff that have seen Division 1 games, it's, the, the quality is probably better in Division 2 because you're allowed as many international players as mm-hmm. you want to an extent. Um, so it'll be a very different game. It'll be a very, very local game that we're playing, which we haven't really had too much experience of. Um, so we'll have to adapt to that quickly. But yeah, the plan is to, to push through these leagues as quickly as possible and become the first ever expat team to make it anywhere near a top league of a, of a, foreign, of a foreign country here in the UAE. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be absolutely great. Um, now, personally, what's your plan for the future? Are you, are you sort of present and settled now out in the, in the UAE? You, you know, you spoke about some, of the, other, some of the other mm. English guys who were, you know, kind of happy with work and life and not, not so eager to come home, shall we say. Yeah, I think in the short term, um, we've just started our under-23 squad, which I'll be heading up as well. So we're going to have fully international under-23 squad where we're going to hope to bleed members of that team into into the foreign players, international players we're allowed in the first team. Mm-hmm. So I'll be overseeing that next season as well as um, as well as all the other roles we have within the club, which will be really exciting. So I'm definitely excited about that. And we're, we're heavily recruiting for our under-23s now. Um so that's the short term, mid, mid and long term. I'm, you know, Dubai is Dubai. It's, it's amazing. It's crazy, but I don't think it's the, it's the forever place. So I definitely would always looking for the next opportunity, whether that's in, in a year's time or in five years time, I don't know. Um, I think if you ask the wife, it'll be shorter than that. But if you ask me, I think we're, we're in such an exciting position here that it's, it's going to be very, very difficult to leave any, anytime soon. But of course, always, always looking and always in, interested to hear about other projects. Mm-hmm. wherever it is in the world. I think the, the biggest answer is that I'm not ready to go anywhere near the UK yet. Um, and I, I love working in different cultures and understanding new leagues and working with different staff and different ideologies and philosophies. So, um, yeah, that's for me, it's just to concentrate on the, on the club at the moment because it's so exciting. I hopefully get on my pro license as, as soon as I can, which I'm in the application phase for at the moment, back, back home with the English FA and then, see where the journey takes me. I, I think in football, you can't ever plan too far in advance because 
you never know what's going to happen. It's, it's a mental world. Really is wise words there. Wise words. Now, I mean, people, uh, any agents or people with interest in project projects listening, want to get in touch, or people who just want to follow the Dubai City story. You know, where's 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 the best place for them to to get in touch? Um, social media is a really good place. So at City FC official across um, across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, things like that, and then we've got a new new website that was launched about. Uh, weeks, maybe a month ago, which is uh, Dubai City FC Official dot uh, com. So go ahead and check out all the news on there. Um, and otherwise, you can you can find me on on LinkedIn. Always posting something about the club. Um, mm. That's Sam White. Um, and yeah, there, there there's so many things. There's so many so many things we're doing at the moment. It looks like we're flooding every every sort of uh, format we have. But it's <laughs> it's just to get this news across and sort of build the brand as as much as we can out here and, and tell everyone about the amazing stuff that we feel we're doing. Oh, well, wish you the best of luck and, uh, you know, to the whole, to the whole club, you know, wish you the best of luck for next season as well. And yeah, congratulations on everything you've achieved so far. It's, it's an incredible journey. It's great and great to yeah. watch from the sidelines here. That's it for today, everyone. Of course, I'm Adam at Uber for 24. This has been a, been a, been a great episode. Oh, it's, it's been really nice to sort of have this catch up half hour with Sam. So, but until next time, it may be 12 months down the road. We hope you come back, Sam, again. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's it for today, everyone. So, take care and stay safe. Uh, goodbye for now. <laughs>